Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Hip Senior Podcast, hosted by Marianne Bailey. Each week we sit down with seniors age 55 and up to share stories that will inspire you to live your life to the fullest. Plus, information on the latest services that will allow you to make your golden years into platinum years. So, grab your cup of joe, sit back, and get inspired. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Marianne Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast, where we try our hardest to make the most out of conversations with people that are working in the senior realm whether it's guiding people through life or creating a say a in-health service or something like that with seniors or having those conversations with senior citizens themselves and giving them voices so today is part of that series and we are talking to sherry dunlevy she is an author a speaker and an inspiration easter i said that yeah. right right you said that right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> sherry welcome to the show how are you i'm great Marianne. how are you I am doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Um, Sherry, tell everybody a little bit um, who you are and uh, and we'll go from there. Well, I am a former television news anchor and radio talk show host. And now I am an author and a podcast host and the founder of a program called Graduating Grief. So what I didn't explain to everyone is that I'm also a bereaved mom. And um, I truly believe that people can heal from their grieving and step into life and live it on purpose and with passion and joy. And so they can make their impact on the world. And I believe that because I'm living proof. I could have curled up and died 22 years ago when my son died and I chose differently. And that's what it takes. It takes a choice and it takes making a decision and it takes time and it takes hard work, but it is possible. And that's what I want people to know. It is possible. You don't have to always be sad from your grief. Okay. So a bereaved mom, can you be a bereaved cousin, a bereaved sister? Does, does that word apply to all of, all of family members or a bereaved friend? Does or is that specifically a term just for moms? No, it's not a term for moms. Okay. Someone told me that um, grieving is actually losing something that you hold dear. And if you use that definition, my gosh, you can be grieving the loss of someone due to death, the loss of someone due to a divorce. You could be grieving the loss of your health because you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or a cancer or something like that. You can be grieving the loss of your job. You could be grieving the loss of connection and physical touch during this pandemic, the loss of connection with family. You, we, we're grieving terribly right now during this pandemic. We are all bereaved people. <laughs> you know, I you and I connected a while back, um, number one, because we both work in the senior realm with, with people as well, but um, also because, and then we had a conversation and we kind of connected in a way because I uh, lost my brother 13 years ago. And um, I, 
you know, I have to admit, until I started watching some of your stuff, um, I've kind of buried the, those feelings about his death. I always thought it was uh, unnecessary for him to die. I was angry with him for doing this. Um, he he didn't kill himself, but he his the way he was living certainly did. And uh, I've always felt um, an undeniable anger about him passing away. So you and I had a couple of conversations about this before. Um, and what what is something that people should know um, if they're in a situation like mine? If, if you find that, you know, you just can't. I feel like I've moved on. But like the last week, for instance, I found myself um, for the first time in a very, very, very long time uh, talking to him as if he was here. But I could still hear the anger in my voice about this. Like, like, for instance, he, he missed the opportunity to discover what an amazing young adult my daughter had grown up to be. And she was one of his favorite people. When he passed away, her picture was on his refrigerator. And that's the only thing that was on his refrigerator. Um, she was one of his uh, beneficiaries to, to the, what mo money he had left and stuff like that. And so he missed that opportunity to be like, wow, she's really grown into adult. Hopefully, you know, he's somewhere where he can see that now. But but he doesn't get to have that relationship with her anymore. And she missed out on having that relationship with him. And so I feel like there are other people in this world that have different emotions about loved ones that they lost. Either they, um, they knew that their loved one was sick and that they accepted that they were going to pass away and they had more time to prepare. Um, in my case, I flew into Florida to visit with my parents hadn't spoken to my brother in a few years. We had been fighting and this is just me being raw and being, being open with everybody. Uh, we had been fighting, had told my mom just a couple hours before we found out that he was dead, that I was planning on uh, visiting with him and trying to mend that rift while I was in Florida on that trip. And my mom's eyes got as big as plates. And I said, don't worry, I'm going to wait till the end of the trip, just in case it does go south <laughs> so that it doesn't ruin my entire time on the beach. Well, two hours later, we found out he was dead and we um, and instead of going to the beach that week um, and planting my feet in the sand and connecting with the earth, um, instead, I uh, spent my time going through his house, um, uh, finding, you know, putting putting his life together to figure out what, what our next steps were and, and, mm -hmm. and, and also planning for his funeral and stuff. Um, so. I didn't really have time that week to to properly grieve or to even think about it. And I don't think there's, and I'm sure you'll agree with us, that there's not a time limit on the on grieving process. And sometimes we maybe put these things on hold in order yes. to accomplish what we have to accomplish at the time. Mm -hmm. In my case, it was holding everybody together and making sure that things were getting done that needed to get done before I had to resume my life back in Ohio uh, from being there. And so over the time, little pieces of it sprout up here and there. And I don't think I've ever kind of properly like sat down and grieved. And I'm sure that there's no proper way to grieve or time limit to grieve. What do you think? No, I don't. And your feelings are your feelings and there are no rules to grief and you are entitled to those feelings. Right. But I will say, and I feel that you should feel those feelings and you should go through that experience, but... I, I don't feel that you should 
be married to those feelings and carry those feelings for any longer than they are useful. I think that you need to face your grief head on. And I feel that um, it could be quite helpful for you to say all the things you need to say in a letter and maybe say to your brother, this is how I feel. I, I forgive myself for these feelings and I forgive you. You missed out on something that I felt was a beautiful thing. You missed out on your niece, but I now have to release you and I have to release these feelings because they're not serving you in a way that's positive anymore, right? When right. you're feeling that, you're still feeling that anger, that anger you've been carrying for all these years. You can carry memories of your brother instead of anger for your brother that I think would better serve you. Does that make sense? It does. Um, the conversation I had with him last week, that it really surprised me because I didn't re even realize that that was still there. I had put myself after my divorce five years ago, I put myself into therapy um, because I wanted to be more healthy moving forward. And during those therapy sessions, he came up um, and we had some discussions and I, I'm at peace with, with a lot of stuff. But like I said, sometimes I think that things kind of sneak up from time to time with people after after the fact of stuff and you start thinking about stuff or stuff happens that, you know, like I said, you know, it realized when, you know, my daughter was turning 23 that, wow, she's living this amazing life. She's uh, still in school. She's she's got a new job. She's doing this. She's doing that. And, and, and people miss out. But um it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like your grief is stopping you. It doesn't yeah. seem like your grief is holding you hostage. No, and there's a big not. difference, right? Yeah, there's yeah. a big difference. And I want to make it very clear, Marianne, that just because I believe that you can graduate from the deep pain of your grief sure. um, does not mean that pain never comes back. Right. Right. It just means that you're not going to allow it to be the ruling factor of how you live your life now right does that make sense oh yeah if I, if i was letting it rule in my my business wouldn't be growing and succeeding right like right right now so um you know it's there are people out there though that that do let it um yes and these stop, stop yeah. their lives Yes. And this is what I want people to know is that if you decide and if you choose, it can change and you can change it anytime. You truly can. There's neuroplasticity in your brain that shows that you can change your thought patterns. You can change your practice. But like I said, it's not just time. It's time and hard work. And hard work means mind shift. It means practicing. It means really exploring this and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So when you're helping people deal with grief, are is it mostly the at loss of, of people, do you find? Or are you also tackling some of those other grief issues like you mentioned before, like the loss of a job or a relationship or stuff like that? Well, I think the principles are pretty much the same because it all comes back to personal choice and responsibility. This was not your life and your death or the definition of your life, losing someone you love or your breast cancer or your career is not the definition of who you are. So when you lose that, a lot of people do become entrenched in that. And I want to let people know this is not 
you, this was that person's life and death or that marriage's life and death or that job's life and death it is merely a chapter in your life. And so how are you going to write the rest of your story? It's not your entire life. It might seem like it's the end of your world, but it doesn't have to be if you choose not to make it that way. So for people that are consumed with grief, how do they be even begin um, to claw their way out of, out, of, out of that pit? Or how do they even, and my second question is being, um, how, backing up even before that is how do they prevent themselves from getting in that position? Well, I think we have to, like I said, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think we have to start talking about death more. I think that we have to start supporting our friends and family when they're going through a bad time. I think that we have to be more vulnerable with our feelings. We have to stop saying that we're okay when we're not okay. And I think we really need to, need to take a look at how we want to maneuver through life. Do we want, I mean, because sometimes when you're stuck in that pain and in that cycle, there's some, and I don't mean to say this to be cruel, but there is some kind of payoff for it. I mean, I could have stayed as the grieving mom forever. I could never be happy again because I lost my son and no one would blame me. People would say, I, I don't know how you did this, how you got through, you must be so strong, right? Um, I chose to, to work through this and get better. Um, and, and anyone can choose it. But there are, you know, people checking on you constantly and people coddling you and you get used to that. And there are people that also get attached to the fact that if they give up the pain of that loss and move on with their lives, they are somehow dishonoring the life of their loved one. You're keeping their memory alive. If you are in a healthy state, you can talk about them. You can share stories. You don't always have to share tears. At the beginning stages, that's normal. You're trying, you miss them dearly. And it doesn't mean that you're not gonna miss them. Right. But if you focus on the gratitude of their life, who they were, what they represented, the gifts that they offered, and you carry them through, you are adding more meaning to their life by the way you're living yours. And, and so they live on through you. So it's just really um, a matter of mindset. I would imagine a really great way for uh, somebody who is uh, stuck in that grieving process would be to create um, some sort of business or some type of outlet, a podcast or a book, or maybe just a blog or something in honor of their loved one that maybe doesn't even speak about death or, or their loved one, but it's throwing their passion for something into something. And, but they're doing it because you know, in memory of this person or because they feel like, they, like you said, they have to honor this person by being the very best person that they can be. And so possibly coming up with things uh, to, to do, you know, when well, yeah, honestly, I mean, how do you think that, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving started a wonderful organization because oh, yeah. someone took, you know, the Susan B. Komen uh, Foundation. Is it Susan B. Komen? I think it is. Yeah. And, and, um, and but then it could be that you now tutor young children or you 
um, you do anything. Your, your dad with the by, you know, he loved to work the poles. And so now you work the poles, right? There are right. just so many ways that you can make meaning and feel connection with your loved one and, and, and heal and, 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 and feel good about who you've become. I mean, look, everybody says there's always a lesson that can be learned. And if you can embrace what that lesson would be and take the gifts that come from that, whether it's a gift of strength, whether it's a gift of compassion, whether it's a gift of resilience, um, and you, and you move forward in that manner, that's a healthier way um, of looking at it. You know, I know people in their early stages of grief, a lot of times aren't able to hear this, don't want to hear this. And so I, I can't speak to them. You, you have to get through the first year or two of grief before we can even have this conversation. You know, graduating grief is for those people who are, they don't want to keep telling their story over and over again or their loved one's story over and over again. It's no longer serving a healing purpose. It's just making them sad. They, they want to explore stepping back into life. They want to start looking at ways they can live honoring uh, that person, but maybe they feel guilty. Maybe they're afraid maybe they have anxiety over it because now all of a sudden they find themselves alone. So what I have created is a community and a podcast that offers support for these people, that offers encouragement. You can do this. I'm shining the light on hope and healing, right? Um, this, is, this is the space that I'm supposed to be into. When you, when you find that telling your story and being sad all the time is not serving you and you want something else, you're ready to graduate, but there was nothing to graduate to before. And so now I've created this to help people in their next journey of stepping back into life, stepping back into living, to find that courage to say, it's okay, yeah. I can do this in a healthy way and I can find joy again and it's okay. You know, having gone through this and seeing the stages myself, um, I know for a fact that there is that stage and there's that line where you, and with anything I've, I've lost relationships and I've lost my brother. I've lost so many things. I've, I lost a home. There's, there's things in, in my life. I've, I've lost a lot and I can see along the lines of the grieving process of when you start healing, you do lose that desire to have to constantly repeat that story all the time. I think today is like the first time in, um, in a really long while that I've told the story of my brother passing away. And that's only for the purposes of this podcast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't feel like everybody that knows me has to know that story. Right. Uh, if, if it were to come up, I'm not embarrassed to tell it, but right. you know, I'm not at the point where like everybody has to woe me because I'm grieving because I lost my brother. It's been 13 years there. I've, I've not moved on, but I have moved on, you know, I haven't forgotten him, but at the same time, I, it's kind of like being angry with somebody and wanting to get revenge and then realizing that the best revenge you can have in life is to do well. Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. and so that's where I've kind of like, okay, I could be sad and say, whoa, me, my brother passed away and, and my marriage ended and all this other stuff. 
Or I can just be the best person I can possibly be and say, you know what, I'm just going to tackle this in life and, and provide value and service to other people as and in return that just makes me so happy and, and fills my heart with so much joy. Isn't isn't that a story of triumph? Yeah, it, I say so. <laughs> Thank you. It, um, and, and so I hope other people in, I could see. So for you. Is, is this your business? Is this is this what you're doing these days? You said you're a, a radio host in the past and all that other stuff. Is this what you do for a business now? Is this yes, this is, uh, I, ju- I started this, I have this, I have my podcast and I have my community on Facebook and I am currently working on a video series of coaching, but I'm going to, I'm doing individual coaching if people want that. Um, group coaching, but my ultimate is to hold retreats. I want to hold retreats and I'm scheduling my first retreat this fall in the Turks and Caicos. And I want people to, I want to go to a location that's beautiful, either, you know, the beach or the mountains so that people step out of their everyday life they see the beauty of the outside world while we are discovering the beauty of the inside world, you know, ourselves and our life. And together by melding these two things together, we learn that we want a sense of adventure, that we want to step back into living, that we have a community of women around us that are here to support and encourage us, that we've established and created and formed new relationships with one another. And it just strengthens us, builds our courage and gives us that gusto for stepping back into living a life of Thrive. So it is for women, no men. It's, that is my target. It is my, my target is for women, yes. Okay. Um, what happens to your retreat if COVID is still around? Is is are you thinking about that? I'm planning it for far enough in the fall that um, I mean they're already allowing travel to the Turks and Caicos, right? Um, so you know if people feel comfortable with that, that's fine. Um, it's it's going to be you know a limited number of people. I want them to be intimate, um, but you know if that you know if that's a complication, it's a complication, but I'm not looking for that. We're, we're getting vaccinated. We're moving forward. Right. And this is a great first step, right? This is a, this is a giant leap of faith. That, that is a giant leap of faith. And I'm so happy and proud of you that, that, that you're doing that because um, I, there, I can definitely see. So when I think of people losing their children, mm-hmm. um, I think my parents came through it, not that they're through it, but I think my parents have lived through this um, with quite a bit of grace. Um, I know my mom was really upset in the very beginnings and then, you know, through the years it's, it's become easier for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember growing up that they had um, some friends and I won't mention their names because they do have family locally, even though both of them have passed away now. Uh, that lost a son who was like around 20, 25, I believe at the time, maybe 23 or so. And they just never recovered from that. And and I get it. But at the same time, I feel like they didn't live their lives to the, to the fullest um, that they possibly could have. And obviously I didn't meet them till they were later in life, but um, you know, I, we, they were neighbors of ours in, in Kettering and 
they just never really, they just never kind of recovered from that. Right. And, and what a disservice that they didn't have somebody like you in their corner to say, Hey, let's walk through these grief processes. Let's, let's, uh, uh, be better and, and do better and, and do something in honor and, and this, all the good stuff that you do. Well, thank you. I, yes. I mean, and some people don't always choose this, unfortunately, you know, I just look at it like this, Marianne, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I don't want to get to the end of my life and God say, Sherry, what did you do with the 50 years that I gave you after Brandon died or how I'm and many years he blesses me with. Right. And I don't want to say, well, God, I didn't do anything because I was curled up in the fetal position because you took my son and I just couldn't get back up. And that's a life wasted to me. I want to honor this life that God gave me. He, for whatever reason, assigned this child to be born to me, assigned this assignment to him and, and to me, and I have to move through it in a way that I carry him and carry his memory in a way that I still honor the life that I've been given. Powerful words. All right, we're going to take a break just for a couple seconds. And when we come back, we are going to discuss your book, um, How Can I Help You? So uh, when we come back, we'll discuss that. So we'll see you in a minute. All right, we are back and we are with Sherry Dunlevy, who is um, an author and in, a speaker and an inspirationista. Um, I will get that word down one of these. <laughs> it's a word I gave myself because I really like people say, well, what do you do? And I inspire people to, yeah. want to live their life, you know, to their fullest potential. Can, can I steal that? Because I want to be an inspirationista as well. Yes, absolutely. Inspire, inspire people that have senior related businesses to, to fulfill their potential and to grow their businesses. So I think that's an awesome word. I'm going to spend the rest of my evening going inspirationista, repeating it over and over and over. <laughs> so you sat down and you wrote a book. How long ago did you write this book? And tell us about it. Okay. So in the first half of this, I, we talked about the loss of my son. What I didn't share with the audience was that at the same time, when we lost our son, we also lost some of our closest friends. And through the years, um, I found out that this is not isolated to, this was not isolated to just us. I found out that this can happen to a lot of people who deal with loss. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a death. Um, it could be a divorce. People pick sides, you know, a lot of relationships are ruined, you know, due to divorce. If you lose your job, people just don't know what to do or say to support you. Right. When the going gets rough, they're there for you in the good times. I mean, these were people that stood up for us at our wedding. And then when the bad times hit, they kind of just dropped off. I don't want to say they scattered. They just kind of just didn't show up. And so um, I just thought, what was that about? And so I figured I, 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 I nailed it down to three things. Um, the first was that it maybe just hits too close to home. A lot of people who say that when they get a cancer diagnosis, sometimes they feel like their friends feel they're contagious. And so they just stay away. And so, you know, here, my husband and I lost our child. So, you know, if you have children, that's just the most horrific thought that you could have. So even to be in our 
realm is just so scary and so frightening that you just, you can't do it. Um, the other thing is that you really just don't know what to do or say. You just don't know. It's never been modeled for you or you've never had any substantial loss in life as to date. And so you don't know what to do or say, or, uh, and I think this is where the majority of people fall. You are what you are afraid you're going to say or do the wrong thing. So I kept thinking, you know, what is this about? And if there was only some kind of resource out there for people. And every time I would go and look for it, I would come away with this feeling. I call it a calling. The difference between a good idea and a calling is a calling never stops calling until you answer it. And it was, Sherry, you, you cannot find this book because it's not been written yet. And you're the one that's supposed to write it. Right. So this book called How Can I Help? Your Go-To Guide for Helping Loved Ones Through Life's Difficulties is truly a book to show you what to do and say to help your friends, family, work colleagues that are going through a difficult chapter in life and how you can best support and help them. These are not all my suggestions. I interviewed people from all walks of life who'd gone through all these situations and I talked to them. What were the things your friends and family did that were most helpful? What were some of the unique things that did that really surprised you and were very helpful? What were some of the things that weren't so helpful? It's not a do or a don't, it's a, hey, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, I wanna show up, I wanna be a good friend, help me. So you read this book, go to your chapter, divorce, death, whatever, and you read the suggestions, you pick something and you do it <laughs> and you show up for them. That's, that's amazing. So what, how long ago did you write this down? What, when was it published? Uh, it was published um, in December of 2017. So it's a little about four years old and um yeah, I, that, and, and it's become a number one bestseller on Amazon. And I love it because it's a book you can refer to over and over and over again. And it gives you many tips and suggestions on how to step up and help your friend, but it also helps grieving people extend grace to people who may show up and say awkward things. So, you know, like, one of the things that aren't so not so helpful in the book that people seem to get really upset about is when people say, well, he's in a better place, or at least their suffering has ended. And so my advice to grieving people is, did that friend show up with a loving intention? If they did, then please take it for what it was, a loving intention, instead of getting caught up in the verbiage. Um, the reason that I say that, Marianne, is because I feel that a friend stepping out awkwardly is better than one who won't step out at all in love. And the reason that we are so awkward about it is because we never talk about these things. And so okay. I have made it my business now to talk about these uncomfortable situations, to have these uncomfortable conversations with people. Yeah, because truthfully, they people don't know what to say when they encounter somebody who's lost somebody. You know, you, you, I, I personally don't like the, you know, he's in a better place thing, whatever. But <laughs> but I but I get it why people would say that. I mean, somebody can't come up to be you and say like, um, 
Yeah, I know. He's dead, but he shouldn't be dead because he was racing down the highway going 125 miles an hour. Yeah, they just can't awkwardly call, you know, they just can't bluntly say what's really on their mind Um, because, you know, that would be hurtful to you. So instead, they they try to control you and and, and pat you on the back and, and comfort you. And it is from a loving place, but, you know, I mean, I tend to be a little bit more, I, I think I probably handled death better than some people. And um, I don't know, maybe I just don't address my feelings in a way that, that some people do, but when someone dies or a pet dies or whatever, you know, I, I, I grieve it and I move on. Now, my brother, you know, that's a, a, a very he and I grew up very close and whatever. It's a little bit different of a situation, but you know, when, when I lose things in my life, I tend to, um, especially like if it's any kind of like friendship or a relationship or whatever, I tend to be like, okay, I put a reason to why, why it ended and I, and I move on. And, um, but I can also call out like, you know, this friend was whatever, and this is why this ended or, stuff but death is a very finite thing it's very it's not like you can have another relationship with that brother or another uh friend to replace that other friend it's something that's just gone right and people just really don't know how to attach verbal feelings to that to be able to say anything other than He's in a better place or, or something right. like that. Well, let me, and those are not so helpful phrases, but let me, yeah. let me, let me say something that should let everybody off the hook. Okay. There is, there is nothing you can say that's going to be the perfect thing. There are no right words. There is nothing that's going to change this. There's nothing that's magical or mystical about this. So take yourself off, take the pressure off. Okay. Um, if you don't know what to say, I I don't know what to say, but I'm devastated for you. And I hate that you're feeling this pain. Sometimes just saying nothing, just saying something like that. And then just giving the person a chance to talk. If they and I'm here need for you. Event, right. You know? Say that and shut up. Cause I- sometimes, you know, there's people in our lives that we feel comfortable venting to. And there's some people in our lives that you wouldn't dare. Maybe somebody from your church or an elder or something like that. You wouldn't dare kind of vent to them. But then sometimes we're friends and we see our friends and they're really good friends and just letting them know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, but really I just came to see if you just needed someone to vent to. Right. Because a lot of us hold this stuff in and we feel like I, I, I really can't just vent to anybody. And I really don't feel like anyone really wants to hear me say it. Um, so giving that person permission oh, to be yes. open and honest and just vent, you know, especially now with COVID, everybody is so hungry for attention right now because we've been isolated so much that even a phone call, you know, just to say, Hey, I I know you're going through something and, 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 and I'm here to listen. Right. I, and to be okay with that. See a lot of people though, you would say that and you would want someone to say, give you that permission. Okay. But there are a lot of people that would not say that because your grief and your crying makes them feel uncomfortable. So right. they can't be there with you. And so my, my advice to that is you do something that resonates with you. 
okay. If you can't be that person to be with that person, support them in another way. There are plenty of suggestions in the book. One, and I give an example. One, uh, I had a friend that was dying of brain cancer and it just broke my heart. And I just could not, he, he, they said that he could, couldn't speak well, you couldn't understand him. And so to pick up the phone was something that I was not comfortable with. But every single week I sent him a card with, you know, a note of encouragement or a memory from when we were in college together or something that every single week he could count on my support in that way. And his wife told me how much that meant to him. So it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable sitting with him through that, right? but I was able to support him in another way. So that's what I'm saying is that, you know, the suggestions in this book might not resonate with you. They might be too hard from you, for you, and that's okay. That doesn't mean though that lets you off the hook for not stepping in and supporting them. There's always something that you can do, always something that you can do to make someone feel loved. Those are awesome tips. Sherry, I'm, I'm curious, um, and I always ask this of authors, um, so I hope you don't mind if, if I ask you a couple questions about your sure. writing the book, okay. um, for people out there that feel like they have a story to tell and they want to write a book, um, is your book self-published? Did you go through a publisher? How did, how did that process work? I, I hired an editor who fell in love with the book. She had written three of the chicken soup for the soul books and she fell in love with it and she um, wanted to pitch it to a publisher, but because I was a virtual unknown, they passed on it. And she said, you know what? Uh, and, and my intention really was to self-publish because I wanted control of it. I have done my research and found out that um, if you, if you, uh, uh, someone publishes your book, you have about six weeks to make or break your book and you have to do the promotion anyhow. So if I was going to do the promotion anyhow, then I was going to make sure that my book was out and I had control over it. But it was very flattering to have her pitch it for me. But after that first pitch, I'm like, no, you know what? I want to go back to my original plan. I, I want to publish this book. So I published it. That's but it was professionally edited and, you know, so... Right. And then you just went through the steps to get it yourself, get it listed on Amazon. Cause I know they have like at the bottom of their website, it says, you know, to publish a book or self offers. Right. Well, I, I, I hired someone to do that. Okay. I hired someone to do that. I, I don't know that there are experts at that. That was not my expertise. And yeah. so I, I hired someone to do that for me. Okay. Okay. Cause I know there's a lot of, and, and, like I said, I've, I've interviewed a couple of people um, lately that were authors and, um, there's a lot to be said about self-publishing in the year 2021, which is this year. Um, I think there's more opportunities available um, for people to be able to do that and for people to be able to speak their truth, whether it be through books or podcasts or blogs and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people feel kind of like, Oh, I've got to write a book to feel accomplished. You know, before I die, I want to write a book. I want my name to be on something that's out there being, being read by other people. 
I get that. Then you should do it. Then you should def- yeah. absolutely do it. If you help one person, it would, you know, or if you touch one person, you know, if you're writing fiction, if you touched one person or gave someone an escape, you know, gave them a good time and they entertained them, then it's worth it, right? Right. And if I help one person reach out and support another person and ease their suffering, then it's worth it. Definitely so worth it. All right. Well, Sherry, tell everybody is is your book. It's a hard. I see it sitting on your on your. Oh, right back here. Your desk behind you. Yes. Um. So is is it a hardback book? I mean, uh, it's I, a paperback book. It's a very book. easy read. It's something you can re- get it. Uh, you can return to over. And over. My girlfriend says she put it in her nightstand, and anytime someone, one of her friends, loses someone or gets divorced, she picks it up and she just looks through it. She's like, this is what I want to do. And she does it. So she, that's exactly how it's been intended. Yeah. Um, is it e version also? Can you read it? There on- is an e version. It's on Amazon. There's an e version. And um, if you want to personally sign copy, you can go to sherrydunlevy.com and I can get you a signed copy. What I love, though, is that I've had a number of churches reach out and they use it as a study guide for all of their um, ministers, their lay ministers. Um, and their deacons and whatnot. So I thought that was really interesting because, you know, they are there to help their congregation. So if they have deacons or um, an outreach ministry, this might be a great book for churches as well. Absolutely. All right. So give everybody the uh, the ways to find your book or to contact you about um, traveling with you this fall. <laughs> Okay. Well, gra- I have a quiz. It's called graduatinggrief.com. And you can take the quiz to see where you are in the scale as far as re- if you're ready to graduate your grief. Um, you can find me at sherrydunlevy.com. But the quiz is graduatinggrief.com. And that will put you on the list for my announcements that are coming. You can also find me on Facebook and join the graduating grief community there. And it's S-H-E-R-R-I-E-D-U-N-L-E-V-Y.com. Perfect time of spelling that out. I was writing it down so I could put it in the comments of this podcast. So all those links will be available to you when you, um, after you listen to this and, um, Sherry, thank you so much for being part of this conversation with us. Um, I know talking about death and grieving and everything else can be really hard for people, but I hope that they will uh, definitely either download your book or order it um, and and start that conversation with the people that they um, hold dearly and that they love. Absolutely. Mary, and thank you for this opportunity to share. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. And now just a quick message from our sponsor of the day. Anchor by Spotify. Hi friends, this is Marion Bailey from The Hip Senior. Have you ever wondered what it takes to have a podcast? Well, I'm here to tell you that Anchor.fm is one of the easiest ways to get started. You can have a podcast up and running in one day. Did you know that? You can talk about things in your past, things that are going to happen in the future, things about a business or a volunteer opportunity. There's all kinds of reasons and things that you can do with a podcast. And I'm here to let you know that using Anchor by Spotify is one of the easiest ways to make a podcast. 
everything that you need to record a podcast, to edit it, and to get it listed in all the major podcast listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Everything's in one place. Simple to do. And oh, I forgot to mention, it's completely free. If you want more information about hosting a podcast or getting started, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now back to our podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hip Senior Podcast. Remember to subscribe or you'll miss out on more inspirational stories that will make your golden years into platinum years. If you'd like to learn more about the senior services provided today, please visit us online at www.thehipsenior.com.